Okay, let's get let's let's get started. Now, I want to introduce a little bit of the, the material of last Sunday because it will help us to understand the, uh, where we're at in this ministry and our our progress, and so that you can like just have a little briefing before we go into uh, setting up the worship. Uh, last week we. The Lord called Isaiah 37 and Micah 5. In Isaiah 37, it is the um, it is the historical uh, it is the story of Sennacherib, who was the Assyrian uh, authority uh, attacking, going to make a siege against Judah. And um, I don't know if you, you know your biblical history well, but the Syrians had taken the northern kingdom into um, exile. And they're pretty bold, and they're, they're going to go attack Judah because Hezekiah, when they first attack them, he gives them tribute. He's going to give the gold and the silver. He even strips down uh, the house of the Lord and gives the gold to Sennacherib. Because he demanded tribute. Because he says, if you don't give us tribute, we'll attack you. And so he releases the gold and the silver. And then Hezekiah gets some boldness about him. And he says, you know, you're not doing this to us. You're not going to strip God's house down. We're tired of it. And we're cutting off our tribute payments to you. So Sennacherib, who was a master at sieging uh, cities... They would come in, they would starve everybody out and shut their supplies down. And if they could starve them out and cut their water supply and their communication, they could literally take a whole city. And um, last week, the Lord's like, it's Isaiah 37. I was like, oh no, because... It means that Sennacherib, whose name means Senna, is this idea of sinning of the cherubim. So if Assyria attacks, it's because, and let me say this, it's because this, we are up, we are up to that place of transition in this ministry where we will come into the most holy place. And I, I mean where the Lord is enthroned on the mercy seat. In the cherubim, we've been bumping up against this in worship, as y'all, many of you know. We've been coming in 
from the outer court into the inner court. And we've been enjoying the presence of God here like unreal. But the Lord's inviting us into the most holy place where he, his dwelling place where he's enthroned. And so he said, I, I don't want, David made a vow in 132, I, I'm seeking a place, but he also said, I'm seeking a very fine dwelling place for the Lord. The God of Jacob, the ruler over Jacob. And so this pressure has come. Yes, it has, because we hit some new we hit a new place in the Lord about three or four weeks ago. And then the Lord's invited us. And I tell the story last week, you can listen to it on the audio. The Lord is inviting us, I believe, into a historic move of his spirit. That's why we're here. But as you know, and this is not easy for anybody that's going through this, um, there are places inside the human soul that just you, you have to just say, Lord, I give you my whole self. And you're going through a new atmosphere in yourself because he's so holy. And Sennacherib is wanting to assault Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, y'all know the story. He takes these letters, right, and he puts them out before the Lord. And they've got Rabshakeh hollering, having, hollering across the walls, telling the people, leave, leave Hezekiah and, and, and leave that, leave them and, and go out and leave this thing because uh, it, it, it wasn't like, oh, they're not going to have an anointing. It's like, uh, we're going to kill all of you. That was how real it was. And, and we're going to take all of y'all's lives. And if you, if you trust in the Lord, you're dead. Because the God of Israel, the God of Jacob will not save you. And that threat was real. <laughs> and of course, Hezekiah had been preparing because he found another way to get a source of water coming into the city so that they could know that if they got sieged, they could get water from a different source. I don't remember. I think it was the Gihon Spring or something, but they got, a, they got water to flow in a different way, and they could keep water. And in that way, for us, that would be the very presence of God. They found a way to keep the presence of God moving or a river flowing so that the, they couldn't shut off their water supply uh, to the city. I'm telling you, the enemy is not going to win this battle against God's people. He's not going to win in this city. He has tried everything. He has tried, he is, they call this the graveyard of ministries, this city. And we found a place in the Lord here, and you've experienced him. I know, because I have too, I, like a wild man up here because he's so good and you want his presence because he's so good and once you taste his presence you can't pull back off your position the the stream of God's presence is with us but he wants something more God wants to come and dwell among his people what is the northern campaign about or the northern issue it's an issue of image 
Now, I've had to repent this week. I've been in war with for five or six days just related to image issues. And some of us, we were born with this. You can't help it. It's not like you, you can fix yourself. But I, I want to encourage you today, and I want to thank you for showing up uh, to receive the mind of Christ and receive his love but also to get into a place today where we stabilize an environment for the glory of the Lord. So the Lord, and, and that we would take up our cross daily and follow the Lord. That we wouldn't consider our own lives as something, but we would give our whole self to the Lord again and again and again and again. So can say I can come down and be among you and I will take out and you all know the story it's a beautiful story they didn't back off of the word of the Lord y'all know what happened the Lord dispatches an angel because there's a place in faith there's a place in the Lord of faith that where you can get where you, you just like you just really trust him and the Lord's looking for that in his people. And then all of a sudden, when the threat is at its greatest, 185,000 Syrians are slain because the Lord dispatches this angel against them. And what Sennacherib has to leave, and the provision of the Lord is not anymore. They, they don't have to pay tribute to a foreign king in a foreign land and of course you know Hezekiah's story he's going to not do good with this with the Babylonians but I, I have this assurance from the Lord in this ministry he let me know this before we began the collider downtown that the Babylonian issue have been soundly defeated in this ministry and we laid a foundation with the Lord that no Babylonian could come in and do that. And I, that we wouldn't have an issue with the Babylonians. But the Syrian says in his heart, he's God of the mountains, but not of the valleys. That's what it says in the word. But listen, that is not true. God is God of your mountain. And God is God in your valley. God's God in your family. When you need him in your home life and your every day and you're sweeping the floors and you're picking the trash up and you're taking care of, God is God right there with you as much as he is in the tops of what we're going to experience today because the Lord is with us. And when you experience him in this mountain, you can know that he who translates his love for you when you're raising your children, your grandchildren, your spouses are together, your you feel alone at times if you don't have someone he's there he's right there he's not just right here he's right there he's in your car when you're alone he's he's with he's with you in the middle of it he just i think sometimes he's just like would you just say help i need some help you know we all feel like sometimes we gotta tense up stick our chest out and the Lord's like, would you just ask me for some help? And that's what Hezekiah does because God made us dependent. He made us for to depend on him. 
so here we are, Lord. We uh, start this out with this. We, we need your help. We admit that we could do nothing without you. We don't want to pretend. We're not here to pretend. We're not here to make something happen. Psalm 16, protect me, O God, for I have taken shelter in you. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. You're my only source of well-being. As for God's chosen people who are in the land and the leading officials, I've admired so much. Their troubles have multiplied and they desire other gods. I will not pour out drink offerings or blood to other gods, nor will I make my vows in the name of their gods. Lord, you give us stability and prosperity, and you make our future secure. It is as if I have been given a fertile field, and I have received a beautiful track of land. I will praise the Lord who guides me, Yes, during the night, I reflect and I learn. I constantly will trust in the Lord because he is at my right hand and I will not be upended. So my heart rejoices and I am happy and our lives are safe. You will not abandon us to Sheol and you will not allow your faithful. Your faithful followers to see the pit of destruction. Paul, take us up, Lord, and lead us to the path of life. Because we experience, we experience the absolute joy when we're in your presence. you give us sheer delight if you can can I have you stand or ask you to stand please
Uh, we're going to do something that we, we've never done here before, but the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this. Um, and you might have to get a pencil or a piece of paper. Um, I want you to take the promise that God's given you. Uh, he wants you to do this. This isn't just me. I've never even thought of this. But I want you to take, get a piece of paper and a pencil. And if you don't have one, we'll figure something out. I want you to write down the promises. You might have five. You might have one that you're believing in for the Lord to answer in your life. And I'm going to bring a basket here this morning. And what I want you to do is write down this precious promises that he's given, that he's given you. Maybe for you and your family, or I don't know, that you have a promise from the Lord. And what we're going to do, we're just going to come and give those to the Lord this morning, believing that there is a transfer of blessing, that God is wants to deliver promises to you and your families, and bring things about that have always kind of stumped you, or something you've been waiting on. Some of you have been waiting on promises to be delivered for some of you 20, 30 years, and you're waiting. I want to... The Lord wants you to write it down and, and, and uh, take some time right now. Write down the promise. It could be one of your children you want to see come to the Lord. It, it could be a thousand million different things. I'm going to put a basket here for you this morning. Thank you. Brian's got some papers. If, is that what you're doing, Brian? If, okay. If you need a piece of paper. that you want to put before him it's really important to honor this and if you can't write have if, if you're a child and you need some help have someone else to help you with this
something from the Lord is going to release these promises this morning, the precious promises of the Lord. He gave this to me out of 1 Peter uh, chapter number 5. Now, we want the key to the release. And there's many keys in the scriptures as the release of the promises of God. First of all, there's a passage in Corinthians. It says, and the promises of God are yes and amen unto the glory that is operating in you. So, so the flow of the Lord operates in you. So when the promise is yes, we say yes. And then we come in agreement by saying amen. But, but listen to this out of 1 Peter 5. We want to see what is the mechanism of the Lord that Peter gave us for the release of promise. Listen to 1 Peter 5 verse 5. In the same way. You who are younger, be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And so what we're, we're saying is that we put on the clothing of humility. We clothe ourselves in humility towards one another. And then he says, because God opposes the proud but he will give grace to the humble. And God, listen, will exalt you in due time or season. So the first thing the Lord's looking for out of us is towards one another to clothe yourself in humility. Secondly, that the reason why is because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And God will exalt you in due time. So then he says, if you humble yourself. And what is humility? Humility is the definition of humility. It means complete and utter reliance upon God. And that is up to the Lord how he decides to bring us into humility. That is not up to us to describe humility for another person. That is up to the Lord. Now he says, listen. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and cast all your cares. Now I want to take all the cares and my concerns. Now I want to just throw them. I'm going to cast them like you cast your fishing rod onto the Lord. I cast everything that's bothering me and giving me a time in my, me and my family. I cast it. I'm casting it away from me. He says, cast it on to him. The cause, why? Because he cares for you. The biggest lie of our enemy keeps trying to tell us that the father does not care. But he does. And we, we agree with the word of God because we say God cares. He cares about me and my situation right now. He cares, but he's looking for something from you. Release it to him. I release my cares onto you, Lord. And I say, you care for me. You care for me, for where I'm at. Right, he says, now be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl 
He's looking for someone to devour. He wants to strip you of this humility and get you convinced that the Father doesn't care about you. That's his tool. That's his tactic. Resist him. Resist him. And here's how you resist him. He says, be strong in faith. Be strong in faith. Take courage like he told Joshua. Take courage and be strong in faith because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kind of suffering. Here's the other point the apostle Peter is making to us. That somehow my situation can get you into isolation, making you feel like you're the only one that's going through anything. That's another tactic the enemy uses against us. No one understands. But he says here that in the world, we're all going through difficulties and trials. Everybody everybody in here is going through something. And the Lord is saying, don't get yourself into isolation, into your mind, and get drawn off like somehow that your life isn't before the Lord and that the Lord doesn't see you. And after you've suffered a little while, I was just admit, nobody likes to suffer. But he says it's just a little while. The God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, he will himself. Listen, you got to hear this because so many people are believing that someone else has the key to their breakthrough. And this is what Hezekiah had to know. And I'm, I'm telling you, I believe this, a testimony of the Lord. The Lord wants you to see that he himself will demonstrate to you to restore you if you need restoration this morning. If you need confirmation, he will confirm you this morning. If you need strengthening, he will strengthen you this morning. And he will establish you if you're all over the place and you need establishment. He will. To him belongs the power. I mean, who does it belong to? It belongs to him. So now in my mind, what I do is I say, someone else doesn't have the key to my breakthrough. I'm not going to isolate myself. I'm not going to go and think I'm the key to my breakthrough. It's him. And so I'm, I'm saying I'm connecting to the father right now saying, God, you are the father. You'll take care of it. And he says he'll do this forever. And then we say, and the apostle said, amen. 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 All the promises of God are what? All the promises of God are what? Amen. <laughs> you know how they say that in the old church? You give us a hearty what? Amen. I say yes and amen to you, Lord. Now let's worship the Lord. And when we worship, we worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And, and then this is where. And we'll get into some praise today and thank him ahead of time for what he's already done.
ways that sway to the glory of your ways. Now the mountains still, by compassion you feel. Now the winds blow away all the sins you forgave. And how your mercy endures until the end of our days. Look at the trees that sway to the glory of your ways. And how the mountains still by compassion that you feel. And how the winds blow away all the sins that you forgave. And how your mercy endures until the end of our days. Look at the trees that sway to the glory of your ways. And how the mountains still by compassion that you feel. And how the winds blow away all the sins that you forgave. And how your mercy endures until the end of days. Cast your cares on me. Cause I care for you Cast your cares on me Cause I care for you Cast your cares on me Cause I care for you Cause I care for you Cause I care for you Look at the birds and look at the flowers They neither toil nor spin Because I care for them They neither worry Because I care for them And all that's left in this worshiping world Is just for us humans to Mystery 
all the mystery that you are. Let us 
with us, Lord. Show us the dance you're dancing over us. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's worthy to be praised. Lift up your voice, lift up your heart. Now, if you feel led, if the Lord's leading you, you, you don't have to do this unless the Lord's leading, but if he's leading you to go across the street for a minute to pray for someone, I want you to do it. You don't have to. It's just if you feel led by the Lord, if he is touching you, we're going to stay here. We're going to worship the Lord, remain in worship. But if you feel led to go over there and pray for someone, Brian's already been over there, but if you just feel led, I think, are there guys on the street out there? Is that what you're saying, Brian? They're not okay. Okay. But as you're led, you know, when, when this city, when this work begins to break out in power, it's just, I've learned this from the Lord. It's just that simple little act of compassion. When you love someone and you just reach out across and you just touch them, the Lord begins to move. And he, he moves a lot of times out of compassion. I, I, you know, not every time, for me a lot of times it's not compassion, it's just a straight word from God. But sometimes we're spoke to differently. Lord, we thank you for the beginnings of the beginnings of the transformation of a city. Oh, that you're empowering your people, Lord. That we wouldn't be arm's length. Lord, that we would reach across our brothers and sisters. We ask you for power evangelism. We ask you for the release of your anointing, Lord. That you would give us boldness like the early church had. That we would have boldness, Lord, to reach the lost. Empower us, Lord. But give us a gentle and temperate heart, Lord. Give us compassion, Lord, for the lost. Show us the ones. Reveal to us the hearts of the brokenhearted, Lord, that need you. Help us not to hold back from our brothers and sisters. 
Help us not to be closed off, but give us a vision. Give us a strategy daily. And Lord, we know and we believe and we can testify that you are good and that all these promises that have been presented before you are yes and amen unto the glory that's operating through us. And we pray, Jesus, we pray for the greater glory, the glory, Lord, that you have, even before time began, that you would make us one, even as you are one, in the Father, empower the church, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, empower us for the work. We ask, Lord, release the church, Release us, Lord. Empower us, God, by your Holy Spirit to do your works. In this city, Lord, in the lands abroad, we ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Like a mighty fortress is our God. Like a mighty fortress is our God. Enemies surround us, rising like a flood. They break into pieces and swallowed in dust. Like a mighty fortress, our God, like a mighty fortress, and is our God. When enemies surround us, oh, they're rising like a flood. They will break into pieces, swallow. Like a mighty warrior is our God. His voice is like the thunder, and it's rolling through the land. He's the lion of Judah, and he's breaking off the fear of man.
on you, Jesus. Oh, we throw everything on you. Oh, the rock that led the Israelites and gave them water, we throw everything on you.
enemy can reach us here under his wings mighty warrior the shield about us the great king of kings over the sea the mighty mountain the lowly valley oh jesus we recognize you as king
not coming to make everyone new. It's his goodness and kindness that drives us to our knees. He is meek and he is kind and he is the lamb who changes the lion. He is the lion.
can take and have all I want from you is you anything you want from me is yours I give it free
for your spirit, Lord. Coming in and hanging out with us in this worship set and being with us, Lord. So grateful to you. Amen. Wow, <laughs> that went really well. Yeah. Amen. Just want to thank everyone for participating today in in worship and um, just just longing for Jesus and uh, just showing up and experiencing the Word together. It's just amazing to be among a corporate group of people that are willing, as you are, to just go on with him and follow him. Thank you. Um, well, let's take up our uh, morning um, tithes and offering. And um, again, like if you if you give online like PayPal, we do uh, info at oomz.org. Or if you write a check, write it to OOMZ. It stands for Order of Melchizedek. And... Uh, and then um, let's just pray together and just thank the Lord this morning for the just uh, beauty of giving and the blessing of giving. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you gave. And uh, you gave everything, Lord. And we just thank you for the price that you paid for us, Lord, and purchasing us on Calvary. We just thank you for everyone in this room, Lord. And I thank you for how the, uh, they're moving in faith and, and growing and strengthening in, in you. Bless them in their businesses, Lord, their ministry initiatives, and their uh, daily life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. I've been tested and tried when you counted on me, but I failed you. Oh, I failed. And the prayers I prayed, promises I've made, I could not keep them oh I've tried and I should know by now that I can run to you you'll embrace me not forsake me and that it's not my goodness that calls you to love me but in my failures you love me still of God is stronger than the strength of men and the shame is leaving now this is what I want to be drawn near to be set free there's now no condemnation for those who are in
Let's all stand together, turn to Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 14. Today we're going to uh, read verse 14 and 15. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Then Jesus and the power of the Spirit returned to Galilee... And news about him spread throughout the surrounding countryside. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by all. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the movement of your spirit this morning. We ask you for the movement and the unction to minister your word so that it goes into our ears this morning and into our hearts There's unction, Lord, here this morning that where we can have our eyes open to your spirit and our ears open to your word. Cause um, a synergy, um, uh, a catalytic moment this morning, a, to, renew our, to renew our trust and our confidence in you and the callings that each individual has in this room, I pray this morning that we would be renewed in faith and we'd be strengthened, that we would be encouraged this morning from uh, this section of scripture. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Last week, I didn't get to get into the text and uh, we had I I told a story and I would really recommend if you can because many of you are walking this journey out with us uh, that you could listen to last week's narrative I I took some time because the Lord we we bumped up against the wall last week and and the Lord said tell them the story of what's been going on with us for four or five weeks and so I did I told a couple of profound stories that really are marking us and mostly those stories are there to encourage you. And I, I pray that they encourage you and your families because I believe in narrative. Um, I believe that God has us in his story. And I believe that the reason why we're drawn together uh, a lot of times is because what happens is our stories uh, run into each other's stories. And you say, you know, hey, that matches with something in my life. And then another person says, yeah, that really matches with me. And I have a history in God that matches up here. And because I do, I can hear what you're saying. My story is linking with your story. And I believe that's what's drawn us here together. I don't, I think that that's how God, through the Lord Jesus, came on the earth. You know, he was a storyteller. He's a really excellent storyteller. And uh, he didn't he didn't tell stories like you know like was deceptive, but he he was telling the story, and um and I think that what it did is when he told a story it would invite us in and I many of you that I'm in relationship with we have a background together a lot of you in here I have a background with your story and you have something with mine not all of us in here have that but we have a connection. And some of you have connections with one another in your stories in here. And I I think that, I I tell you this, I believe this all in my heart, that our enemy 
is going around, like we read in Peter, trying to deceive us and tell us that the narrative of our storyline is not true. He's wanting to take the meaning out of our life and get us into uh, reductionism, to be technical. Uh, I was listening to a gentleman this week, and he was talking about what reductionism is. And, and what reductionism is, it simply is, it takes, the, it takes the deeper meaning of things and it reduces it down to, let me just give you a for instance, you read a book like um, Beowulf, and you read the book and someone says to you, that's just, uh, that's just pen and paper. And you're like, well, yeah, it is just pen and paper. That, that's true. It, it is just the ink that was put on the paper, and, and, and that's correct. That's what you're holding in your hand. A reductionist, they do that in life. They take the, the meaning and purpose out of something, and they just reduce it all down to something you can see or visualize. And so the deeper aspect of what's actually going on has been reduced. And I think that there's, there's a component of that within God's house that is, is sort of atheistic. Because what it's doing is it's saying, well... My life doesn't have meaning and it doesn't really have purpose. Therefore, I have to reduce everything down to the lowest common denominator. And we get into just rigid facts and a rigidity in our life. And we start to live our life like that. And we, uh, it takes all the meaning out. And there's so many people living like that today. I mean, they may not would really realize that they were reductionist in their heart. But they've been living a life where... <clears throat> I can't listen to that uh, story. I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And so what happens is everybody gets into objects. Um, and, and this is a tactic of our enemy. And I'm, I'm going to tie this in with the word today. But it gets into, I'm living my life every day for an object. And, and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago that we, everybody sort of is, what they're doing is they're saying all that matters is the object. And so your mind gets consumed with an object, like it could be the objectification of another person. It could be um, where you live. It could be what you drive. It could be your education. And we reduce life down to just what you can just see and make happen every day. And, um, and, then, and then this situation comes in our life and Jesus is wanting to intervene. And, and many of us, we, we know that have walked with the Lord for some time, that he begins to say, I want to take off the uh, mask the proverbial mask. I want to take off the paradigm or vision that you're operating your life in. I want to pull something off of your mindset. Does anybody today think like they did 15 years ago? I mean, you have a new perspective, right? And daily your perspective is being shifted. 
And the question is, and I think this is what, this is what we're going to see here in the text this morning is, and, and we have to bring ourselves into a place of humility is, there is a perspective that God has that may be different than ours. There, um, when were you saved? And a lot of people, they just go back to that and they say, that was it, man. I got saved such and such. And, and they sort of just go do life. This is what I'm trying to get at. They just go do life. Just, I, I, the Lord saved me. I remember when, and then I'm just going to go do life. And they get back into everyday life. And it becomes objective, objectification of objects and people around us. And what we don't realize is something is colluding. Something is covering our eyes and our perception of things. And that God is wanting to intervene. I, you know, someone said, I remember when the Lord confirmed to me that I was sanctified. I was like, really? Now I'm holy. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I remember that. I was like, how long ago was that? I mean, what's going on with you right now with the Lord? And I, I believe in the temptation narrative. And we went through this for three weeks. The temptation narrative of, of Christ, you, you see, and that there's so much way to extrapolate that, those texts. And I can't do it service. I'll just say that up front. I'll do the best I can. You would take that uh, stone and turn it into bread. Um, jump off the side and demonstrate uh, that your father will take care of you if you be a son. It's, the enemy's always trying to set some kind of view of something in front of us that is material and either getting us to worship it, to live our whole life for it, and to think constantly about it. And, and God is saying, I want to take off that mindset off of you that you're, the end result of what I'm doing in your life is not to get another object. God didn't make you and me. He didn't make us for to have no meaning. I mean, you you know this. The greatest relationships you have are the ones that have meaning. God didn't tool us out for if I could just get another object and I set the object, or if I could get this person just right, I I, I could just have that. Then somehow I would be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. Human nature is comfort and pleasure. That's, that's your human nature. And, and the Lord's saying, I want you, I want to enter into a dimensional space with you and interact with you. Your real fulfillment, your real lasting fulfillment. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I could just get an anointing, I could lay hands on the sick and if I, re, I remember like in the beginning days of MZ Hop, I, it was like one of my first sermons, and I've got Calvin's doctrine on my mind and the two opposing wills of God. And I'm going to get up and demonstrate theologically 
the aspect of what God permits, he doesn't allow. And I'm going to do this, and I'm sitting down in my seat, and the worship leader, she worshiped, and the Lord said to me, I have three people in here I want to heal. And uh, one person has a severe stomach issue, another person has a right rotator cuff that's uh, frozen, and another person, I'm going to give them their hair back. And I was like, this, there's like 40 people in the room. And I was like, oh, man, they're going to, I mean, right out of the gate, false prophet, like branded. And the Lord's like, get up and say that. I'm like, I want to demonstrate something theological. He's like, I want to demonstrate my power. I want to give meaning. And I don't want you to be demonstrative. I want to demonstrate. And I, I got up and I said it. And it's a really neat story. But an 84-year-old man comes up at the end of the service and he says, I came here because the Holy Spirit told me to come here. He said, if I would, that my severe stomach problem would be healed. He said, when you said that, instantly I was healed. He said, I was back there crying. I couldn't take it. He had, I don't know if he had a Crohn's disease or some kind of massive internal intestinal problem, but he said it was just the worst pain in his life. He's instantly healed. A lady comes two weeks later. She said she left the meeting. This was interesting to me. She goes outside. She gets in her car. And she hears pop, 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 crack, 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 crack. And she said her right rotor take, her cuff was frozen. And she, uh, I said, will you get up and tell everybody? And she said, sure. And she does her. It was completely uh, fused. The bones had fused together for years. The Lord heals her. And then Jerry Ann Allred, she was 67 at the time. She played the drums for us. She checks it. But three months later, long story short, all her life, she wanted to have curly hair. And a beautician tells her like a month later, uh, Jerry Ann, there's this little fuzz growing up all over your head. And um, she goes back the next month and it's like curly hair. And she testifies, God gives her curly hair. She'd have her hair, she said, was straight as a stick. And I was like, God puts hair back on people? Like, I had, no, I, I had no paradigm for hair being restored. Some of us could use some of that. A long, give him a long beard. I don't know. Was that one of your promises, Dad? <laughs> that I need to get my wife to allow me to have a long beard. <laughs> the promises of God. Listen, I, I started to realize something. In that moment, God wants to demonstrate himself. God wants to show up in our life and demonstrate his life. And the enemy is going around trying to get us to objectify everything and look at objects. And the Lord's like, stop doing that. I want to demonstrate. And I want to give real meaning to your life. I've got a word of knowledge for you. I've got a word of wisdom. I've got something I want to do in your life. I really want to provide meaning. I really want to get involved in the story. And really, I've thought, and I remember the Lord said to me, don't tell anybody, you know, like at that time, about this, what happened here. And I said, if we did, we'd get everybody. <laughs> I mean, they would just, 
Jerry Ann Allred, she got her hair. I want my hair too. You know, he's like, oh, you got a problem, God will heal you. And uh, he said, don't, don't talk about it. And I was just like, you know, ah, like this ministry can explode. <laughs> I was like, and the Lord's like, I'm after something else. I'll do this for you. Actually, it's really no big deal to the Lord to heal you. It's, it really isn't. I've, I've watched him do things. I mean, it really, what I've found is, let it be according to your word. I've found that, at least for me, if he tells me to go pray for somebody and he's going to heal them, he always does. You know, Jesus always gets his prayer answered. See, he's not at, this is something I learned in prayer. We're not necessarily in prayer with the Father and with the Lord and the Holy Spirit saying, I beg you, please do this. It's not like that. That's a servant talks like that, not sons and daughters. Sons and daughters, I learned this in prayer is like, uh, I'm going to just go sit and be still until you talk since you're the boss. I mean, you're the control. You, you run the show. What, what do you say? Go take that guy and put some mud in his eyes. Uh, he's blind. Well, that's about the stupidest thing I ever heard, right? I mean, ophthalmologist doesn't do that when you go see them. They, I mean, they do blow that little puff of air, you know. You're like, ah, stop doing that. You know, that's terrible. But to think to rub some mud in your eye. I mean, that don't make any sense. And this is the nature of God, that he asks us to do things that just literally has no... You can't do it out of your mind. It really isn't a motive. And I want to say this because I believe this. That power resides in you right now. Now... The lie is, is if I could get into, da, 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 somehow God will move in my life. That is a lie. That's a trick of the enemy. He's saying if I could get more holy, God will accept me, therefore he'll release power in my life. This is a lie. This isn't how God works. Because I can tell you, back then, when the word said release this word, I wasn't holy. <laughs> I'm not now, I mean, you know, I want to be holy as my father is, right? We pursue holiness without which no man shall see God and we should pursue him. But it wasn't contingent on my anointing, a gift. It was just the Lord said. And so when we look at uh, today in the passage that's in Luke 4, Jesus comes out in his ministry in Galilee, and I I looked up Galilee. This is really, really uh, interesting to me because of some of the things that have happened here in this ministry. I think some of you are really going to like this, but this this word Galilee, um, let me see if I can find it. I had it up here just a minute ago. It means a cylinder. Now, who knows what a cylinder is? Okay, like a circle, but what else, Leander? It is a circle, but it has what to it? Okay, it has, it has length and a circle, okay? So it's not just two-dimensional, it's three-dimensional. 
And when Jesus begins his ministry after the temptation narrative that we went through, it says, then Jesus in the power of the Spirit returned uh, to Galilee. And I, I was reading this and I said, oh, this is so interesting to me because Jesus returned He crossed over an obstacle in his life. He had to go through. He gets baptized in the Jordan. He goes through a wilderness uh, event. He goes through the temptations for us. He He passes his trials and he returns and he comes to a place which means cylinder. How many of you remember, some of you were in the, some of our events here and, and we started to discuss the, the fifth dimension. Anybody remember the fifth dimension? Well, in the fifth dimension, in the fifth dimension, they say that, let me just lay this out. There are four dimensions, and what I'm going to talk to you about is this cylinder, which is the fifth dimension. But the four dimensions are X, Y, and Z, which are spatial dimensions. Like, for instance, when you came here to Collider this morning, you had a X, Y, and Z, and a T that brought you here. You had a dimension... Uh, we're off the corner of Eagle Street, and what's our other street here? Uh, we're off two different corners of a street. When you GPSed your way in, you had an X and a Y dimension. The Z dimension is the vertical dimension come up through the floor into this room, X, Y, Z. And we start in the back with Pete and Aaron Lineker at 10 a.m. We start in here at 10.30. What dimension is that? The dimension of time. You, had, you were brought here into a dimension, four dimensions. Well, we, we were worshiping the Lord here, and the Lord's like, I'm inviting my people into fifth dimensions, five, five dimensions, because I want you to engage with me as light. Because in James 1, it says that God is light. Um, in him is no variable or shadow of turning. God is light. Uh, we see that also that... Um, the, the wisdom of Solomon, Solomon will say, God dwells in a thick cloud of darkness, he is light. And we see that God himself is light. And I, I remember, and uh, I know Juliana remembers this, because she said it marked her, but Stephen and I are up here worshiping, and I get uh, completely knocked out of spatial orientation. I cannot figure out where I'm at. And I want to run off the stage, because it was just terrible. I felt like... High and dry, I go home that evening, and the Lord brings a couple of encounters. Where are you? That was the first question that he asked Adam after the fall. And I realized, mankind's going around trying to find where they belong and can't figure it out. And, and the Lord said, yes, because you've become disconnected from light. And I said, man, I don't understand. He said, oh, you're about to see it because y'all are going to go from gasoline-driven engines to all-electric motors. I said, oh, he said, the EV deal, what? I mean, the Lord tells me that night, watch it. You have to switch over. You're not going to be able to run off gasoline anymore. And I said, what's that got to do with it? He said, that system is not going to work anymore. You are going to have to learn to work off of light. And I said, oh, it's a different system. He said, yes. Light travels faster than sound, right? And he said, your sensitivity is broken because of the fall and because of shame. 
and because you've been covered over with fig leaves and and uh, animal skins, and you got all kinds of stuff, and it's blocking your ability to perceive me. I'm trying, I come out of a light dimension. And your sensitivity is not there because you're broken. And I want to fix your brokenness so I can relate to you, so you can say, oh, there he is. Now, now the Lord, he didn't have sin. Hebrews tells us that, right? So he, had to, he doesn't have a problem relating to light. So when the Lord comes to Galilee, he comes to the place of the cylinder. Now, the fifth dimension, they say, is like a tiny, they say, the physicists say, I did some studies on this, they say it's like, and maybe you can help me with this, Pete, but it's to the negative 10 to the 33rd or 35th power. The fifth dimension, they found it. Um, I wrote y'all some emails about this. Everybody's probably like, that guy's crazy. I don't know what he's doing talking particle physics and stuff, but just bear with me. And they, they, this guy, Klein, he found it with Einstein. They found, Susanna, stop. They found this um, fifth dimension. And it's like in space, and it has like a, a little tiny little hole on either side of it. And if you can get that little thing to line up, you can go into another dimension. And it's, it's around us right now. The, and it has to do with perception. Now, if you study quantum mechanics or quantum physics, they say that if it's called... I think it was called Schrodinger's cat or Schrodinger's equation. But if you look at an object, if you look at it, it suspends it and it stops the object from movement. But if you can't look at it with the eye, it'll be a wave. Now just hear me out. I'll make a good application for you. All power is, is, is a wave. But if you look at an object, you, get, you suspend it in space in time, and it won't move. And what does the Lord tell us to do? Come worship me. Set your eyes on me. The enemy's saying, no, look at the problem, the circumstance. And you know what you do every time you look at it? You suspend it. You, you stop it, and it can't move. There's no movement. And God is saying, and, and I, there's no way to do this. I've learned this. There is no way to get your eye off your circumstance. There is no way to get your eye off of someone else's circumstance unless you're looking at him. You, you were physically, biologically made this way. You were made to look at him. You were made to have your eyes fixed on him. It took Abraham, the father of faith, 25 years to get his eyes pitched up. It says in Romans 4, 18, I believe it says, and he hoped against hope. And if you study that in the Greek, and I've said this many times, one hope, the direct object, is Sarah's womb. Meaning that Abraham is looking at Sarah and saying, when's that baby going to come? When's that baby going to come? I don't see anything happening, but the Lord gave me a promise. We've already did the Hagar thing. But the Lord gave me a promise. I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it. And the Lord's like, look at me. Look at me. 
look at me because God knows physics laws. He knows that you can't get a wave if you look at the position or the problem or the program. You can't get a wave. You will always be suspended. And what this does is that's what takes that movement out of your life of the joy and the freedom in your existence. That's what freezes everything up, and that's where atheism is. That's where uh, people, what I was getting at at the very beginning, that's why they get into reductionism, because they say everything's what you see. And God is saying, no, place your eyes on me. Why do you think we press in and worship sometimes? Sometimes it's easy. You know why? Because the the soul is saying, I'm looking at you. Sometimes like, I'm looking at my problem. So when Jesus returns and he comes into Galilee, and I I heard the Spirit of the Lord say this to me, Jesus walked around with basically a fifth-dimensional open heaven over him everywhere he went. Jesus wasn't prophesying about an open heaven. Jesus was and is the open heaven. So if Jesus walks two steps to the right, there's an open heaven. If Jesus walks two steps to the left, there's an open heaven. If he walks off, there's an open heaven. It doesn't matter if he was in hell or if he was in the heavens, God is with him. And, and this is the same thing for us. And everything is trying to steal His presence in our life. Because God will demonstrate power out of His presence. He's trying to lock us up and get us on the wrong thing. Get our eyes fixed on someone else's sin, our own sin, our own problem, some other object except the Lord. That's what you're going through. And the Lord wants to demonstrate His power to you and through you. And affect change in your life. And it's not going to be like someone else's story. You can't take someone else's story and take it and uh, cut and paste it onto your story. Nobody can do that. I can tell you this all day long, but until... And this is what we're doing here, okay? Just know this. We're worshiping the Lord to model together that this is how you access the kingdom of God. Except you become as a what? A little child. You can't access. Something's trying to always throw us out of our humility, and that's our dependence. I need you, Lord. I I need you, Stephen. I I need you. Uh, I need help. Something's trying to tell us, I got this. Don't ever do that. Don't do that. Just stop that. I can get this, man. I got this thing. Don't do that. You can't line up a fifth dimension with that mentality. Here's the thing. The Lord wants to come near to you. And here, here's, a, here's a, just a little bit of the crux. Because we're going to see it next week's sermon when he goes to Nazareth. The enemy wants to come at you and either blow your head up. You're the Holy One of Israel. Or, we know you don't come from much, you Nazarene. The enemy's always trying to play this on everybody. He wants to diminish, he wants to diminish you from where you come from, your past, and put you into guilt. Or he wants to talk about your future orientation and say, you're amazing. And both of those things, they lack humility. 
But Jesus, he has one word for that. You see it in Mark's gospel. He says, come out, unclean spirit. <laughs> and a man's hand will open up. Why? Because he's a giver. See, God's a giver. The enemy wants you to crunch everything down and say, we can't make it. And this thing's going to get bad and it's looking rough. And the Lord's like, bless. When someone's talking bad about you, the Lord says, bless them, don't curse them. He doesn't want you to get wrapped up into that left and right thing. He wants you to have the flow for power to operate in your life from presence. Um, what's the guy's name? That uh, Vineyard Church. John Wimber, right? Wimber got a hold of this. Wimber really got a hold of it. It took them a long time just to get in the presence of the Lord. But they began to see power operate in their ministry. And he was just as, just a, he wasn't a hype person or anything. He's just a regular, just preached the word. And, it, and, and man, God really moved in that ministry all over the world. And I, I think what they did is they just, they started to say, man, get your eyes off of this other thing. Now, let me say this to you. We need grace for what I'm preaching. I, Steve and I was talking about this when we started this morning. We can't do it. You know, I mean, we can't even help ourselves to, to quit trying to help ourselves to looking at things. We can't even help ourselves with that. And what I want to invite you into the end of this, what we're doing here today is, we need double grace. Zechariah, he knew it. Zerubbabel is like shouts of what? We need a grace because we can't help ourselves. And then we need another grace because we can't help ourselves. <laughs> we can't help ourselves that we can't help ourselves. It's a double grace, it's a double blessing. You need a blessing of God's grace for your, to get your eyes on Him. You need Him to just help you look at Him. And then you need grace for Him to operate through you, to release His power through you. You need grace for that too, because you can't even do that. You need grace for the presence of God and the power of God. You need grace for your sin, that He loves you and that He forgives you. And you need grace... You need grace to see the release of God's reward through you. We need grace. And for by grace are you saved through what? It's a what? Gift. It's a gift from God. It's not of what? Lest any man should what? Man, y'all are awesome. Let's stand together. What am I looking at? Let me ask you this. What am I looking at? What am I looking at? Or who am I looking at? Who? And then when I'm thinking about who, am I looking at someone else? Am I looking at me? Or am I going to get back to the original issue? And maybe I'm dealing with this morning, and we, the words told me that a lot of people are dealing with this, the why question. Why are you doing this in my life? And he says, quit doing that. Look at me. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Say, I just want to look at you. And hey, you, you have this morning. You looked at him. We did corporately. And you see how he comes in. And I believe um, 
these promises. I'm standing, the Lord told me to stand with you and faith believing. Listen, when you get your promise, we want to hear you testify because you will get your promises because it's, it's the Lord's desire. Stephen started singing. He was dancing over us. I saw him dancing like 15 minutes before. I was like, that's the truth. He's dancing over your circumstance. He's excited because you believe him and the father's ready to just unload onto our life. But see, because he understands the physical laws he created, they operate a certain way. And he knows that a lot of people get frustrated with the Lord because they're like, he won't take care of this. He won't. And the Lord's like, no, stop it. Stop looking at that stuff and look at me. Worship me. Honor me. Bless me. Praise me. And Israel knew it and Judah knew it. And they they began to just say, this is the path. The path is worship. The path is the praise of the Lord. The path is to live under an open heaven. The path isn't that we just get this in a Sunday morning. The path is is in the valley of my life. I can walk out of here and have the same change in effect, the same change out from here that I do in here. Here we're being equipped. Here we're just being equipped so that we can go out there. My prayer is, is that the fifth dimensional light will open up over every single one of us and that we will walk in the life of God that Paul talked about it, that I would be found in him and that I would live and move and have my being in the Lord. I want to be with you where you are, the Lord will say. I want to be found with you. I want to be found with you. And I can be found with you anywhere. Some of you have faced it. You've been, you've been down into hell. Some of your lives, but some of you have been into outer space. But he's with you. Some of you are in the daily thing that you're going through right now. And the Lord's like, stop looking at the circumstance and look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Stop looking at you. Stop looking at them. Look at me. Stop looking. He will deliver his promises to you every single time. He will commune with you and your life has so much meaning and purpose. This group of people, you stand right here, shake the whole known world right here. It's not like, oh, we got to have 50,000 people to shake the world. They've demonstrated that in stadiums. We need one person, you, to say, I'm locked into you. And I want you. And listen to me. When the Lord begins to come and steal the, take the uh, thing that's hurting you off of you. My wife and I had a talk about this this week. Some of us, we got some scabs and some woundedness on us. And the Lord keeps getting near and it hurts so bad. Let him have it. I can't help you with that, but he will. You know, there's a lie in there that tells us, if I let you have this, Lord, you're going to leave me high and dry. Because the Lord wants to operate even more strongly in your life in this dimension of power and his presence. He does. And, but he, he wants to touch you and bless you and heal you of some things and help you. And Lord, I just pray for that right now. What we can't do for ourselves, that you'll do it.
it for us. I pray for every hindrance in this room and what's held us back for the freedom that we were meant to walk in. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would begin to release. I take off the shame of the future and the guilt of my past. And I pray, Lord, that we would get in this present moment with you. And we would just know right now, right now, right now, right now, let love radiate in our internal being, Lord. I'm loved and I'm a lover. And I was made for you. And I was made to do great exploits. I was made to take the land. I was made to, I was made to change the world around me. I was made to give. I was made for something special. And every single one of you under the sound of my voice is special to the Lord. And he delights in you and he longs for you. We let you, Lord. He says, let me, because he's so gentle. He's so gentle to love on you. Just let him, because he won't violate your person. Say, I'll let you, Lord. Just let him. Oh, I was crying this week. It was really hard. I was thinking I was going to have a complete breakdown. And I feel his little his hand on me. It's coming, coming, coming. He's like, let me have my way with you. It's like, oh, how many ways, Lord? Another way. Let me have my way with you. Let him have his way with you. We need your humility, Lord. We need your meekness. Lord, when we get on the other side of our humility, Lord, and we're staying in our humility, but we need your meekness, Lord, too, so that when you do give us power, that we won't grab, grasp at it, and we won't long for it into ourselves and take it, that we'll keep our eyes fixed on you the whole time, that we would just set our gaze on you. We don't, we don't need to look at it. We just need to look at you. Give us the grace for that, Lord. Take all the shame and all the guilt off. You have to you have to ask him to do it cuz he's you just have to say I want this to happen in my life. I I want my woundedness to be healed. I don't want to react every time you touch my wound. I want when you touch my, me that there's no wound. Someone says something to me that hurts me, I don't have to be mean about it anymore. I can just be kind. I can say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing. And I don't have to be a victim anymore. And I don't have to be a perpetrator anymore. I can just be loved. It says that Jesus was to be praised by everyone but the technical Hebrew word is he was being glorified the glory of God began to radiate out of his life probably like Moses but just as God's glory began to move and manifest itself through him I pray this over you I pray this over this entire ministry that God's glory will begin to radiate out of you that you will receive his glory glory that he is so free and willing to give to you that that glory that that he wants to give to us that that glory is yours now
I'll tell you, when you know you're experiencing God's glory, it's like a sense of royalty. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how you experience God's glory, but for me, it's like a sense that you're a royal son or daughter and that nothing can stand in the way of what God's doing in your life. And it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter about anything. You just have this sense of rest and peace come over your whole person. You just know God's God. And, and you feel this sense of wholeness. It's the glory of God. Jesus was being glorified in front of everybody by his father because he was was underneath the light of God and he could perceive God. He would go spend time with his father and wait on him. Imagine orienting your life like this, that your life is, it was made to live like in a perpetual Sabbath where you went and you waited on him. Listen, if you're not doing that, you can live that way. You can live in the Sabbath rest of God, and you can wait on Him. You don't have to go do all the rat race. You don't have to. You don't have to do it anymore. You can be free from that. And you can just say, Father, today, you don't have to make this hard for yourself, but today, I just want your way today. And then do it tomorrow, okay? Do it again tomorrow. Don't get overwhelmed by what I'm saying, but just say today, Lord. Today, we did this today when we leave from here. Continue in that life. And when you get to Monday morning and it's what you think is back to the ground, no, it's not. Go commune with Him. I don't leave this place and get three days from now and think that I was in that environment. Go back there. You can go back there everywhere. You don't have to go there just here. You can go there anywhere. He's in the caves. He's in the cathedrals. He's in the closet. And he's in the castles. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. You can connect with him anywhere and everywhere. Amen. All right, what's up? Come forward for communion. We'll take communion together.
we'll close with this. Uh, this morning, I guess Stephen's been up about as long as I have. I've been up 3.30, 3 o'clock, somewhere. You said 2.30 this morning. We've been up. We've been in, been in some places with the Lord this morning. But I got woke up by the Lord this morning. He says to me, like as clear as day, he says, but who do you say I am? And I said, oh, man. And I just, it took me back to the passage about Caesarea Philippi and the, the disciples were there and they said, well, some say you're Elijah. And I thought about that in the context of what we're going through in the storyline we're in about Elijah. And then some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're oh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And I, I thought... Some say that your primary thing is providing miracles. Like Elijah did that. Some say that your primary thing is you're fearless in the face of death. But who do you say that I am? Some say that you're the guy that's the weeper that's down in the thing praying and interceding in the depths of darkness. But who do you say that I am? Jesus, give us a revelation of Jesus. I mean, I mean, Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. I was telling Kara, I've known some fishermen, and they don't go around like proclaiming other people's divinity. <laughs> if anything, those guys do not like that. They would not like some pretentious... I mean, fishermen don't like stuff like that. For him to say something like that, he had a revelation. Of course, Peter later on is going to... The Lord's going to say, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Stephen was saying, but God liked the way he made Peter. And God's going to deal with Peter's heart. He's going to make him a man who's going to go all the way... He's going to be carried away. He does not want to go and be hung upside down, crucified. They say they're going to drag you into areas you don't want to go. God knew how to God knew how to change that man's heart. But who do you say that he is? And I and I think this is a quintessential question to all of us because he asked that question because maybe we don't know who he is in the moment. I mean, who are you, who are you, Jesus, in this moment? Who are you, Jesus, in that moment? Who are you, Jesus, in this gentleman's life or this lady's life or that child's life? Who are you? Who do you say that I am? I am, right? Before Abraham was what? Who can deal with that? You're not even 50 years old. How can you be before Abraham? Do you see... It's the fifth dimension. He's that sitting outside of time. Let's, not, let's be so careful not to put God into an image and box him up into some kind of structural form when he's asking us a simple question. Who do you say that I am? As you go out of this place today, Lord, who are you in this? I don't know. But I want to know you. He took the bread and he broke it. 
And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace amen bless you today